Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. My vagina healed that. Last week, I hosted a live online event called My Vagina Healed That, which featured me and three of our favorite well-fucked all-stars sharing on how their sexual energy healed everything from their reproductive ailments to landing them life-changing multi-million dollar business deals. True vagina stories. Each day featured a different topic and all-star and started with me talking about these concepts and then leading a guided visualization about them and then had the all-stars share their stories and take questions from our listeners. We went much deeper than we usually do in a public forum and the setup gives you a taste of what my online programs, which I call salons, are all about. Katie was our all-star guest for the topic Alchemizing Sexual Trauma into Creativity and Cervical Orgasms. She shares how she took small incremental steps to overcome her history of abuse and being able to be intimate with herself, leading to ecstatic orgasms, falling madly in love with herself and her vagina, all of which translated into the healing of her crippling endometriosis and painful periods because your sexual energy is your life force energy and the most potent healer that you literally have at your fingertips. The event starts with a short intro from me and then a 20-minute guided visualization on connecting the heart, cervix, and orgasmic enlightenment. And then Katie and I chat and we take audience questions ranging from the difference between G-spot and cervical orgasms, how to commit to healing when you have a traumatic background, or when you feel so lost and overwhelmed you don't even have any idea where to start. It's a very candid conversation where I also share about my dolphin gasm experience. Yes, that's a thing, but I may be the only person on earth who's experienced one. If you'd like to access the other two days of all-star interviews, we cover manifest men, money, and miracles, and the multi-million dollar blowjob, then go to kimanami.com slash bliss, and you can listen and sign up there to the three-day live stream replay. The whole event is free, and we will be doing more of these in the future. A small caveat, we had some technical issues on the day we recorded the Manifest Men, Money, and Miracles session with Leah, but Katie's session, the one that you'll hear today, was perfect. (laughs) And I have to say, truly next level. Not only is Katie forever enshrined in our well-fucked all-star hall of fame, but she is supremely articulate and amazing at breaking down her process step by step. 
Again, if you'd like to catch the whole series, go to kimonami.com bliss to sign up for it. Welcome everyone to our My Vagina Heal That second session, Wednesday session. It is fantastic to have you all here. The topic for today is alchemizing sexual trauma into cervical orgasms and creativity. And our all-star is the amazing and lovely Katie. And she has such a great story about healing herself. And that is one of the main messages of my work is that you can heal yourself and your vagina and your sexual energy can heal thyself. And so the big bulk of what I show people to do is how to do that, right? I've always been a proponent of the idea that we have the power within us to heal pretty much anything. I've got uh, sunlight coming in on my heart chakra. That's perfect right now for this. And then it'll move up as we go through the session. Um, and, you know, at an early age, I opted out of the allopathic medical system, just getting, as I had all the time growing up, this sense that it was kind of useless. And these people were literally stabbing in the dark, really didn't know how to heal anything, didn't seem to understand the source of anything. And so I naturally just began investigating all kinds of natural healing modalities, everything from meditation to herbal medicine and sex. Sex became my medicine. At a young age, I had some very pivotal sexual encounters that left me feeling like, like I'd done psychedelics, like I'd taken ecstasy. That was kind of some of the only framework I had at the time to describe something similar to what I had experienced in my own bed, which was these mind-blowing, body-blowing, ecstasy-driven, self-realizing experiences where I walked out feeling more of myself than I was before. And like, like I was reborn and all of these artificial layers, false selves just fell away and I emerged as a more true, authentic version of who I really am. So that's what really laid the foundation for me and my journey of sexual healing and activation, and then later studying Tantra and Taoism and seeing that, okay, there were cultures 5,000 years ago who truly, literally used sex as medicine in ancient Taoist times when they were studying and creating their systems in Chinese medicine with herbal healing, acupuncture, acupressure, they also would prescribe sex. So you would go to your Chinese doctor, they would do their pulse diagnosis or tongue analysis, and they'd be like, okay, you are deficient in kidney energy, you need these herbs, we're going to do these acupuncture points and go home and have sex in reverse cowgirl position three times a day for the next 30 days, because when you are tilted on that angle, all the sexual energy is going to go straight up into your kidneys. Brilliant. Okay. So basically, I am the best doctor in the world because I prescribe the most powerful remedies in the world, which are all around sexual healing. So, over the decades of doing this work and thousands, tens of thousands of people that I've worked with personally and in my salons, we now have this massive library of stories of people who have healed 
everything from, as Katie will share, really crippling endometriosis and heavy periods, cysts and growths, even bigger diagnoses that I hesitate to say too clearly, but I'm not making a claim so much as saying that we've seen it happen. People having radical weight loss, depression, clinical diagnoses of all sorts, and certainly... <laughs> very easily, difficult periods, PMS, menopausal issues. And yeah, I mean, all of that gets healed, can be healed through consciously using and directing your sexual energy. So the thing is, and we started talking about this yesterday in the creativity session, is that most people, when they have sex, they do it in a much more unconscious way where they dump all of their sexual energy out of them instead of taking that energy and redirecting it back inside so that we can use it as what it's meant to be our life force our rejuvenation our healing our activating power so that's the name of the game right and so yes you can teach about having better sex and more pleasure and give people some techniques but ultimately what i want to do is activate your own inner knowing your own inner gps i.e your vagina which we'll talk about tomorrow so that it leads you in the directions you need to go rather than reading a step-by-step manual of you know anything, your intuition, your inner knowing and insight is activated to such a high degree that your decisions become impeccable. They become a reflection of your deepest truth and knowing and essence of who you really are because your sexual energy is the essence of who you really are. And when you're tapped into that, you start to make decisions that are much more in alignment with that truth. You do that in terms of the partner you're with, whether you're with the right partner or you need to perhaps exit a relationship and find a more aligned partnership, or you can revive and redirect the one that you have. Your financial choices, your career choices, people end up making decisions that bring them more into alignment with their, what is that light thing coming from? Nope. So no, Um, with their uh, true visions and dharma in the world, the gifts you were meant to give, that becomes clearer to you how you're meant to go through life and share those gifts in the world. You as a sexual being, you awaken and begin to feel pleasure and realize the anami guarantee, which is all women, all orgasms, like all people can have the kinds of experiences I speak about, not just some special select few who are, you know, oh, random or lucky or whatever, just born that way. Like, no, 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 no. Everyone's born with the same 100% able to get their potential right? The things that happen are we take in messaging and programming. We may have traumatic experiences that suppress that energy and make us feel very dissociated from it. So even though it's literally at our own fingertips in our own body, this direct channel to the universe, which we're going to do a visualization about today, people can feel like it could be a million miles away, right? That they have no connection to that whatsoever. And then that disconnect begins to materially manifest in people literally getting their organs cut out, right? They're so cut off from themselves that the organs can be cut out. 
And now, I mean, people even welcome that. They get sold that as a difficult period remedy. Just take out your internal organs, which is just so absurd to me that that's become normalized in our culture, right? And women even feeling like relief because, okay, they took it out. Now it's not a problem anymore. They'll be on drugs and hormones and probably shorten their lifespan now. (laughs) But Oh, whatever. My periods are now not existing anymore. Yeah, trust me, there's way fucking better solutions. Actual solutions, because that's not a solution. That's like a cop out and being incredibly shitty at your job. But you can actually heal these things, right? And that's why in my Orgasmic Enlightenment podcast, we share all these stories from our all-stars. So they can tell you, you can hear it from the horse's mouth slash vagina, that this is possible for everyone. And Katie, who you'll hear from shortly, is such a wonderful example of that because she truly was, even in the face of the Anami guarantee and me promising people it's possible for everyone, she was like, I think I'm just one of those women who can't. And you'll hear that not only did she and how. So, okay. So what I'd like to do today is start out with a cue chant and then a guided visualization on alchemizing your trauma, connecting your heart and your cervix. So we start I talked yesterday about my sequence of meditate, masturbate, create, which is an amazing way to what I was saying earlier, instead of dumping sexual energy out of you is bring it back inside of you. And a very short synopsis of that that process is step one, you meditate. And we're going to do a huge chant here together for about three minutes. That can be your meditation for the sequence. Masturbate, you self-pleasure is step two. So any form of stimulation, nipples, breast, clitoris, internal vagina, anything is great. (laughs) And breathing all the way through. Your breath is the big carrier of sexual energy. So as you're breathing deeply throughout your body, you're moving that sexual energy and recirculating it rather than ejecting it out of you at the point of orgasm. And then you can either go all the way to orgasm or stop because if you're breathing that energy through your body, you're harvesting that energy and that's what we want to do. So whether you have an orgasm or not, like for our purposes, it doesn't really matter. It matters ultimately. And that, yes, I want all women to have these experiences, but when you're trying to collect this energy, whether you go over the edge or not, it doesn't matter. Get as high and close as you'd like and then pause or you can finish off. So then step three is create. Now go do something. So whether you go do some kind of stereotypical creative outlet, like writing, painting, drawing, you can garden, you can clean your house, you can plan home renovations, you can play with your children, anything. You can go to the gym. It's just that you go and do something and you're aware that you are now infusing your creative energy, your pro-creative sexual energy into this project. And the project could be you, could be anything. And that's it. That's meditate, masturbate, create. So we're going to kick off with a three-minute huge chant today. So what I'd like you to do is find a comfortable seated position. I ask, it's better if you don't lie down. It's better if you actually just stay seated. And 
you'll close your eyes and place your attention at your third eye, the place between your eyebrow, about one inch inside your forehead. And as we're chanting, we're going to play a Hue song, which is a recording of several thousand people chanting Hue all at once. And then at the end of those three minutes, you can keep your eyes closed and I will go into the guided visualization. So the hue sounds like this. You inhale and then on the exhale in a long drawn out breath, you sing hue. Hue. So I recommend doing it out loud, but you can also do it inwardly. You is an ancient name for God, spirit, energy, the universe, whatever you'd like to call it. It's a way to uplift your state of consciousness and to open your heart. All right, so we can go ahead, close your eyes. The Hugh song is about to start to play, and I will guide you through the rest of this process. And we'll start to chant Hugh.
Now, keeping your eyes closed, keep your general focus at your third eye and just watch it like a television screen and move your attention as I guide you to. Now, place your focus all the way down to your ovaries. And see your ovaries as bright, magenta, vivid orange, shimmery, swirling orbs. They swish around like molten lava with bright, blinding color. You can feel a warmth that's emanating from that. You feel this energy and you see it swirling around and you see it start to rise and spread throughout your entire body. And see a, a packed ball of this energy make its way down through the ovaries into the fallopian tubes lighting everything up along the way. Clearing out any dark corners, crevices, any dust, all getting lit up and alchemized into this fiery, warm, beautiful, radiant energy. If you find any particularly dark areas, pause there. Shine the light of this glowy, radiant orb energy into these areas and watch as the darkness melts and alchemizes into the same shimmery, vivid orange magenta. Flow this energy into your uterus coating it and filling it with this beautiful orangey pink light. And I'll give you a few moments to do that. Going through your fallopian tubes, your uterus, highlighting all of the dark corners and folds where something might be hiding away. And make your way down through your vaginal canal and into the cervix, filling up the cervix, knowing that you might hold a lot of tension and trauma here. It's a storehouse for all things female reproductive. And shine all of this luscious energy, cleaning it out, lighting it up, filling it up to be the decadent, juicy, beautiful gateway that it is. If you feel any kind of resistance, take a really deep breath in, spreading all of this vibrant orangey glow pink energy throughout your body. And just let, have a feeling of surrendering and opening in your cervix. Even if you don't know how to feel where it is, just imagine where you think it is and how you think it might feel and imagine it opening, letting go. Breathe in deeply into your belly and your pelvis and on your exhale, 
just let go in the cervix. Imagine it like the petals of a flower opening up. Another deep breath in and exhale and open and relax. And just even if you can loosen just a tiny bit into the cervix and open like petal flowers. As you watch all of this beautiful orangey magenta light penetrate into every cell, every fiber, through all of your tissues. All the little neurotransmitters and movers of hormones and messengers ebb into your labia and your perineum, all getting activated and fired up where maybe they've been sleepy and dormant. And all of this light and love that you're spreading all around is firing them up into action, moving, helping you to move this beautiful radiant energy throughout all of your cells and awakening them coating these areas and saturating them with this golden orange magenta light and shimmery sparkles. Again, if you find any corners, crevices, cracks, dark shadows, shine extra light and exhale into these areas and focus on opening and letting go. And put your attention back to your cervix. And I want you to envision a channel going all the way from your cervix to your heart. Like a long tube and it's full of white sparkly light. Now take that orange magenta energy swirling orb and move it, swirl it, pulse it and throb it up that channel as it passes through your solar plexus and your abdomen, past your navel, towards your ribs. And it enters into the heart with a burst of joy and ecstasy spilling over and mingling with all the love energy that's just waiting to be let out in your heart. This hot, fiery, molten lava mingles with your softness and your surrender, your openness, tenderness, and vulnerability. Let them mingle and connect with each other. The heart energy has a vibrant green color to it, and they're dancing and playing with each other and mixing as though they are yin-yang perpetual symbols making love to each other.
Now shrink yourself down so that you can see within your heart. Place your mind's eye into your heart and see chambers like rooms within your heart. As you look around, you can see that they're full of boxes and treasure chests. See them opening one by one and let this orange magenta light shine into them, into all of their darkest corners like a breeze blowing in and stirring up ancient dust and transforming it into this sparkly light energy. Anything that's been stagnant and sitting there collecting dust and dirt, you're bringing it to life and alchemizing it into this kinetic sparkle. Watch as this energy moves throughout your entire chest, spreading out this golden orange magenta glow, filling up your breasts, mainlining into every little nerve fiber, meridian, chamber, and piece of lymph, filling them all up and swirling around and wringing them out. bringing out the old, the toxic, the dead, the stagnant, and then exploding back like a rush of blood with this vibrant magenta orange color throughout all of your breast tissues, into your areolas, into your nipples. Feel how your entire chest is full of love and vibrancy protruding out into the world, standing more erect as you lead with this energy in your life, this beautiful fusion of your sexual energy, your heart energy, and your breasts become the carriers and the beacons of this mix of energy that guides you. Now the energy makes its way up your neck, pausing in your throat to connect with the energy there, which is a beautiful shimmery turquoise blue. They dance together and play and that magenta orange energy pulses and threads its way through every little capillary. It moves up your neck and fills your face with a rush of blood as though you were blushing. All this energy spills through your face, your cells, your pores, covering your entire head and filling it up like a cup of water. This liquid molten energy is rising, rising, rising all the way to the top of your head. And then it gets a shock. There's a brilliant white flash of lightning at the top of your head. And this energy starts to mix together 
a sparkling radiant white light coming down from the sky in this column. And then your beautiful orange golden molten lava swirling and mixing together in a spiral. They connect and they spiral out the top of your head and up into the sky. Keep your attention at the top of your head with this swirl cone of energy going up the cylinder, up into the sky. At the same time, you can place your attention at your third eye and see this mingling of energy. Here, there's more of a purple color and indigo and it frolics together with this magenta orange light. You feel a sense of calm and clarity and confidence growing within you as all of these parts of yourself refuse together to act in harmony. Culminating at your third eye that gives you the vision, the direction. You see everything so clearly and vividly with such a deep perception. Take a really deep breath in. Allow all of this magenta orange glow to spread throughout your entire body. Through every nerve fiber and cell into your bone marrow, lighting it up, becoming the source from which you create everything. And you let this energy know that whenever there is blockage or stagnancy, it's free to go and to move to those places and to alchemize them. Every day you can come back here and go to these engines, your ovaries, the source, tap this energy and direct it wherever you like. Anywhere in your body that needs extra attention and love and healing. You are the source. Right, take another deep breath in and start to hear noises within your environment. Bring your attention back into the space, into the present moment. All right, when you're ready, you can open your eyes.
Okay. Oh. All right, well, let's bring Katie out. Katie, you can go ahead and turn your camera on. All right, does everyone see Katie? I'm going to assume that they do. All right. <laughs> welcome, Katie. So great to see you and have you back. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. I'm excited to be here. Although your visualization was like already making me emotional. It was so beautiful putting me in my heart. I'm like, oh God, I'm going to start crying. It's going to be like minute one. I'm start crying. <laughs> so I've got a tissue. I'm prepared. I have props. <laughs> we're all about that here all about the liquids being released in whatever form they decide to come out yes yes all right so let's give a synopsis of your story I don't know if everyone's listened to your interview or not but it's always like good to hear another retelling of it anyway and because you had such a you know what I mentioned earlier that you were also had been in a place of like I'm just one of those women like yeah Kim says this you know me guarantee and I hear these other people do it but you know can I do it and you had a lot of like extra factors that were a challenge for you to move through. And so much of what's inspiring about your story is how you really did take baby steps and were very disciplined and committed. So take it away, Katie. Yeah. So I feel like it's still surreal, even just to have you call me an all-star. Like when I think back to it, like on paper, I was kind of like the least likely person to become an all-star just because I just had, I was such a mess. Um, and when I was like feeling emotional during your visualization, I was just flashing back to this moment, like two years ago, right before I signed up for VKF and oh, I was sitting in the bathtub and I had a lot of, you know, in my past, if you haven't listened to the podcast, I have a lot of childhood sexual trauma. And for me, it really manifested in touch. So I'm one of those women that Kim would talk about that could not touch her own vagina. I didn't even look at my own vagina. I don't know what I thought was going on down there, but I, I wouldn't even look at it. Um, and so this particular day, I was trying. You know, I kind of would get these like little bouts where I'd be like, okay, maybe let me let me try something. So I was sitting in the bathtub and I was trying to touch myself for like the millionth time. And I just started sobbing, like full on ugly, snotty crying because it wasn't working. I would feel hot. These PTSD symptoms from my childhood would overcome my entire body. I was feeling like I was going to pass out. And to say that I felt like broken was like a bit of an understatement. It was more like I was just kind of like resigned. I was like, well, this is my destiny. This is just who I am. I'm never going to be a person who can touch herself. Those ideas of like the greater pleasures that are possible for some, like they're not going to be possible for me. And that's, that's what I was feeling like in that moment, sobbing, sobbing. And yet at the same time, there was like this little light inside of me that was like not going out. And I was like, okay, maybe there, there has to be something, right? Like, like this little bit of hope. And at that point, Kim was already in my orbit. Um, and so one of the ideas that you talk about that I love so much, Kim, you'll describe like sexual trauma or our emotional blockages. It's just this stuck energy that's stored inside of us. And that beneath it 
is this like shimmering pure essence. And all you have to do is clear all that stuff out. And that felt so empowering and to me. And it felt like it was like the little thing that I grabbed onto kind of in that moment. And I was like, all right, like I'm going to sign up for BKM. I'm going to give this the situation a try here. And so, okay, so I have these PTSD symptoms. This is like strike one against me becoming an all-star. I can't even touch myself. I want to have a cervical orgasm. I can't even touch myself. How am I going from there to there? I don't know. <laughs> then, okay, so then um, clitoral orgasms I could have only with a vibrator, like a sad, like numbing out, like lame orgasm. That's all that was possible for me. My vagina was completely numb. Um, I was living this disassociated life where everything was just happening up in my head. I was not inhabiting my body at all, which is just frankly, just a, a terrible way to live, especially now being on the other side of it. And I had really crippling endometriosis. Like it was the kind where I'd be in so much pain. Like my husband would come home. I'd be on the couch wrapped in a blanket, like a little burrito with like heating pads stapled to my body. And like, I'd be in so much pain and the blood would be so intense. It would get scary sometimes for me. Um, and, you know, I, I would try to heal that too, right? Like it, it was a push and pull. It was like on one hand, well, this is also my destiny. You know, I'm just always going to have difficult periods. They're just going to suck, right? That's my fate as a woman or whatever. Um, but then like, you know, I would try things. When I used to go to gynecologists, like a long time ago, um, before I quit that, bad habit. <laughs> they would, yeah, bad habit. Like they would, they I would quit like, that addiction and I, yeah. <laughs> I'm in recovery now. Yes. Yeah. 10 years in recovery, 10 years sober from gynecologist. So, but when I would go, they'd be like, oh, just go on the pill. So, and I, and that just didn't jive for me. It just felt like more numbing out. So fortunately I never took that route. I would try other things too. Like I'm supplements, change the diet, seed cycling, all the things, castor oil packs. I would do all the like natural voodoo that you could think of doing. It didn't make a single dent in my endometriosis. Every month my period would come and it would be just as bad as the month before. And of course, now being on the other side of it, I understand what was going on there. It was just my body crying. It was because of this unhealed sexual trauma that was just stored in my vagina and like, that's where I needed to go. That's what I need to do to heal. In kind of retrospect, I'm, I feel like gratitude towards my period. I'm like, thank you, period. Like for, for keeping, you kept talking to me, even when I wasn't listening, like sending me the message, hoping that one day maybe, you know, I would hear it and finally be able to make those changes. Um, and so of course this was all before BKF and like, let's flash forward in time to, to where I am now. Right. So the endometriosis is gone. I don't have painful periods. It, it's not like this heavy bleeding situation. I actually look forward to my period every month as like this chance to be inward. I was thinking how like I used to kind of count the years till menopause. I was like, when's it coming? Like, can my period end? <laughs> like, for real. I would do like a countdown. Um, but now I feel like I'm going to be really sad when it leaves because I just like, I enjoy that, that inward time just like with my body just like have her do her like witchy magic thing that she does every month where I sort of occupy this space between worlds like it's really sacred to me so 
Okay, so endometriosis, gone, right? I didn't go on the pill. I didn't do seed cycling, none of that. It was just, I had to go and actually heal my sexual trauma. Um, numbness is also, that's completely healed. My vagina is full of sensation. I can have sort G-spot cervical orgasms. I can even have couch gasms, as it turns out. The other day I was just <laughs> sitting on the couch and I was having like a really like juicy creative day, just like last week. And all of a sudden I feel my vagina like pulsing and I'm like, what's going on? It was like a mini orgasm, like happened. So couch gasms also can happen. Um, <laughs> right. So let's see what else. I'm not living this disassociated life anymore. I'm actually grounded connected into my body. Um, as a result of all of that, my life has transformed so much. So just to name a few things, since this is just a little summary here. So when I first started having cervical orgasms, and maybe we could talk more about how I went from like where I was to how I got to that cervical orgasm place. We'll probably want to talk about that. But for right now, when that started happening, Within two months, $100,000 just fell into the lap of our household right away. And since that, like we didn't do anything different to like bring that money in. It's just like Kim talks about when you heal your second chakra, which is our money, our sexuality, our creativity. When you heal out all those blocks, the money just like starts flowing in. So that happened within like two months. And it's continued to happen to such a point that like my husband and I, I don't even say this hyper, like hyperbolically, like we don't know what to do with all the money that's coming in. It's just like on a new stratosphere. We keep having to like sit down and be like, what do we do with it? And we don't know. We just stare at each other. Like we don't even know because <laughs> it's just so wild to have this happen. Um, I'm a writer. So my creativity fully shifted when, of course, right, when I started to clear all this stuff out too. My own channel just cleared out so that more could just flow in through me. Um, I feel like I'm writing from a more authentic and genuine place. Also, with that creativity, I've gotten really cool business opportunities. I'm like part of this cool movie project. And I literally did nothing to get this project. Like, I didn't send in a resume, I didn't hustle. Like, it just came in and it it was there and it was all because of you know this vagina healing journey that I went on so just thinking about from that like bathtub moment until now that moment when I felt so broken and I fully fully thought as Kim was saying like in the intro yeah okay I'm just everyone else is good but I, it's not going to be me I'm not going to be the one who can have all those orgasms and stuff it's like the Anami guarantee, it's not just like a cute say. Like, this is a real thing. <laughs> like, life, sometimes I feel like there's that saying that, like, the universe never gives you more than you can handle. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I think sometimes the universe gives you more than you can handle, but it doesn't give you more than you can heal. Like, you can heal anything at any age, at any time no matter what it is, even when you feel broken. And like, that's the most important thing I feel like that I have to say is kind of that if I can, literally anyone can. 
<laughs> so beautiful, Katie. It's like, I always have such appreciation when you speak because your story is amazing and you're also so articulate in the way you tell it. You know, you convey it so beautifully. Um, so amazing. Even I get blown away when I, and I know the story quite well, but <laughs> hearing it again. Um, what would you say then? Let's talk a bit about your process because I think this is really important for people to hear, like in terms of you taking these teeny steps because somebody who can be quite in their trauma, if they've never really done any deeper work or sometimes people do work, but it's not that effective, like they might do talking therapy and they they think, well, I've done a couple of years of talking therapy, but then when they go to bed, their body is still locked up right? Or they're still having these reproductive symptoms and they don't make the association. And we certainly know that the allopathic profession would never make the association that there's some relationship between somebody's past trauma, things they haven't healed and what's manifesting in their body. So sometimes people often can get very stuck and paralyzed. So you were kind of in that state, but you very like bit by bit worked your way out of it. So I'd love to have you share. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I took like baby steps. Like it wasn't even baby steps. It was like ant steps <laughs> from where I was to, to, to kind of, to get here. And so like the first thing I want to speak to even before I go into the process is like, you have to go to the site of the wound. If we were injured anyplace else, we would treat the injury directly. So just talking about the sexual trauma doesn't do it. You need to go actually to the site of the wound and provide like and create healing there. And that's so much of what working with the jade egg does. It gives you this experience of like slowly building a relationship with your body that's based on trust and penetration when and where you say so and if you have had sexual trauma that is like the number one thing that you need to start doing so um for my process like like I said I was taking ant steps um basically what I had to do because my trauma was so intense I would start um by setting a really strong container for myself so I knew that I could last for about a minute at a time. So I would literally set a timer for one minute and I would work up the courage to insert the jade egg for that one minute. And I would lie there and breathe and feel like I was going to die and be flooded with fear, flooded with anxiety. Um, but I'd make it, I would make it through the minute. And then I would pull the egg out and I would see that I didn't die, that I had done it. And that would give me some new evidence or a new foundation for me to stand upon. Um, and so, okay, so I would set the container. I would set a really strong, like I set the timer for the whole experience. I made notes because I really want to make sure that I hit on all the important things. Okay. The other thing that I would really do, I would establish like my zones of comfort. So if you sign up for VKF, Kim gives you other things to do besides just the jade egg. She does do these beautiful exercises for your breasts. And that was something I was really comfortable with. So I could spend a lot of time on my breasts. And so that was like a zone of comfort for me. And then I would commit to doing one thing outside of my comfort zone every day. So that would be just one thing, right? So the one minute, 
in the insertion for one minute. Okay, great. I did that. The next day, I'm going to expand it. I'm going to go for a minute and a half. And then I'm going to go for two. And then I'm going to go for three. Um, and by the time I worked up to five, a lot of the intensity and fear had already started to just drain out of my body because I saw nothing scary was going to happen to me. No one was going to hurt me. I was totally fine. I was totally safe. I was starting to build up that trust with myself. The other thing that I think is really important about that part of the process is if you are someone who struggles to dissociate with with dissociation a lot during that process, um, or you just get really stuck in your head, another like little trick that I would use, I would just narrate the experience to myself, or I would talk kind of out loud. I'd be like, I'm safe. I'm doing this. I'm putting my hand here. It's going to be okay. So if your mind is like spinning a lot of stories and can kind of hijack the situation, I find it's really helpful if you get it on your side, like you recruit it to your side, you give it some stuff to do. And so it just starts talking to you. You can use it to self-soothe, to like calm yourself. Um, And speaking of self-soothing, that's the other thing that was really, really important for me when I'm setting this container is to make sure I have really strong aftercare. So if I just released a lot of emotions or I had a lot of feelings, I can't just just like jump into my day, right? Like I need to do something to like calm myself down. Or sometimes it wasn't about being calm. Sometimes it's like get a pillow, smash it on the floor, be really angry, dance it out like a crazy person, like whatever it was, I would do that. Um, or sometimes it was just, I need to self-soothe and just like establish safety in my body. It's really easy to do that. Just place your hand on your heart, like feel your own heart beating. It's like one of the most soothing things there is. Kim will give you breathing that you can also do. So I found that that was um, really, that's like kind of the process, uh, the technical details of the process that I use to kind of move through with this like slow building. Um, And then with that, there's like two other pieces that I want to draw on. Can can I keep going? Are there any questions? Okay. Okay. Well, it's interesting. Someone asked a question. Did you have any mantras that you would say during your initial journey? And you just like absorb that question. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I'm safe. Uh, Say I love you. Don't underestimate the power of saying I love you to yourself, especially. Oh, that's the other thing in front of a mirror is really, really helpful because then you see yourself and you see what's going on and it can become like so grounding to also like connect and see yourself. This is why I say like my quote that I don't stargaze, I vagina gaze. It's like (laughs) one of my favorite things to do. It's like incredibly grounding. Um, Okay. So, so yeah. So say love you to myself. Um, Even if you can't say I love you to myself, you could say, I'm willing to love you. I'm willing to do this. Sometimes just the words I'm willing, if it, if you can't say anything else, makes a really big difference and a really big dent in the whole situation. Okay, so the second part of it, so that's kind of like the process. And the second piece is the mindset. Okay. <laughs> oh, how do you face that much fear? How do you dig deep and keep going? You just have to do it. You just have to show up for yourself every day with relentless devotion. And you just have to 
trust that if you keep showing up for yourself, that your body will show up for you. And it will, like it will rush in with healing miracles that you can't even believe. Like your body wants to support you. If you just show up a teeny bit, your body will like come in the rest of the way. So there's really, you know, there's no way around it. After I did my podcast um, on Instagram with you, I got questions from a bunch of people. Like they were just like messaging me, asking me. And basically all of their questions kind of amounted to the same thing, which was like, yeah, but how can I do it without feeling bad? How can I do it without feeling fear? And you just have to, the only way out is through. You just have to feel it. You have to let all of the stuck. This is the healing process. The healing process is feeling it. You can't skip it. The tears, the pain, the fear, it all just has to come out of you. So you should expect weeping. Weeping is a great sign because it means something's moving out of you. Um, And so even if you're feeling difficult emotions, yes, you're feeling them. You're moving towards something. Like if you want to have the deeper orgasms, like you have to be able to hold yourself in the depths of your pain if you want to have the capacity for it to be prepared to have the heights of pleasure. Like they go together. The deeper vaginal orgasms live inside of you deeply. So you have to go deep inside of yourself. There's there's no shortcut. You just have to do it. And some days it won't seem like you're ever going to get anywhere, <laughs> but you will if you stick with it and go all in. You have to go all in with yourself. You can't like hold back or like kind of do it. You know, um, you have you have to go all the way in. Um, oh, that's the other thing. People, I think we all have this feeling, right? If we feel our emotions, there's no bottom. We're just like all gonna die. Like, no, the emotions always end. They pass. Like, isn't there some study that says like in a minute and a half or three minutes, emotions pass? If you sit with them, like it's a really short period of time, actually, that we um, even experience the intensity of the emotions. And if you sit through it, if you stay and like hold yourself through these experiences, the strength that you are going to build within yourself, the amount of empowerment you're going to feel, the trust that you build between you and your body is like worth everything. And I mean, listen, I love the cervical orgasms, but that, that goes with me into my life, you know, like the ability to hold yourself through anything like comes with me everywhere. Um, okay. And then the final piece that I want to say about it and cause I'm a Capricorn, so I just have to break things up into like threes. So <laughs> the other question that people wanted to know how long it took Okay. So I want to, I want to talk about this. Like, um, it will take whatever it is for you. Your journey will be different. All our journeys are unique. It will take longer than you want. It will take less time than you fear. That's a saying that my husband likes to say. I love that. (laughs) I I got a reaction to that. I was like, oh, that's so nice. Right? Like, yeah. Um, it's not going to be instant. You are going to pass through stages. For me, the stages like went like terror, weeping. From weeping, my vagina started to awaken. From that awakening, that's what leads to the orgasms. But I couldn't 
skip a step, you know, how to go kind of through that progression. Like, um, the other thing is like people get really hung up, like, um, before I tell you how long it actually took me, people get really hung up on the idea of like, Oh, I've gone backwards. Like, Oh no, I was going forward. I've been backwards. I'll stress. Okay. So the first thing is we're in the realm of the body. The body doesn't move in a linear direction. Like it just doesn't, it has its own wisdom and its own dance and its own spiraling rhythm. That's just the nature and the beauty of the body. The other thing is I was thinking about this. Um, I love astrology. So like everyone's obsessed with mercury retrogrades. So the, a retrograde, if you don't even know anything about astrology, it doesn't matter. It's when a planet goes backwards in relation to earth, except the planet doesn't actually move backwards. It's just our perspective that looks like it's moving backwards. It's still actually moving forward. So you can really apply that to your own journey here. You feel like you're going backwards, like you're, that's still part of the forwards journey. You're not off the journey. It's part of the journey. So, um, okay. So within that, some things were really quick for me. Like my vagina was like gushing, lubricating, wet, really fast during the course of the salon instant. I was able to have clitoral orgasms without a vibrator, which was a really big deal for me. Also really quickly about halfway through the the salon. Um, Then my period cleared up, I would say about starting to show signs that it was going to clear within two or three months after the salon, our period, like, can you take a second to, to kick in there? It was almost like, it was like, are we sure this is good? Is it good? Is it good? Like just like checking before, before she was like, okay, we could just be chilled out. We could be a chill period. Um, then uh, at the close by the, the salon closes within two months, I had my first T-spot orgasm. Two months after that, I had my first cervical orgasm. It was actually like two weeks after my 10th wedding anniversary. So it was like happy anniversary to us. My first cervical orgasm. So that is a six month period, right? That's what it took me. That doesn't mean that it will take everyone six months, but I just, I feel like it's important to say when I talk about relentless devotion, like it continues after the salon. I didn't quit. The salon gave me the tools and the container to make incredible quantum leaps. And then I just kept going with it. You know, I still stayed determined. And so that's how I was able to go literally from this place where I couldn't put my fingers in my own vagina without having a panic attack to having cervical orgasms. Like that's the journey, the trajectory and, and what it all looked like. I'm still blown away when I hear (laughs) you articulate everything the way that you do. And I so appreciate you breaking that down. And it's handy that you had those questions from people to be able to, you know, pinpoint some of the things that people think about when they hear this and they get hopeful, but still scared, you know, and to help walk them through step by step what this can look like. So that's, yeah, it's so amazing. And, um, you mentioned the vagazing, like vagina gazing. You say you don't stargaze, you vagina gaze. So speak to that love affair that developed with you and your vagina. But you also had this great statement about like, and we use it because it to, to reference and inspire other people because you talked about 
And sometimes when we tell people, you know, self-pleasuring is part of the work, right? Even if you have a partner, but the idea of getting to know yourself and being able to give yourself pleasure. And sometimes people can have a real resistance to it. And you got to a place where you like talked about actually being hot for yourself, like the way you would be hot for a lover, you were hot for yourself. So your vagina gazing and then this like feeling turned on by yeah. love to hear more about yeah like running home to rip off my clothes to be myself <laughs> like what like that's real being like oh my god I look so good today what's up with this so <laughs> what are you wearing <laughs> yeah exactly like giving myself like cheesy pickup lines like oh like come here often so, <laughs> in the grocery store okay okay so, so vagina gazing uh, instead of stargazing. This is like my favorite thing. I did this, I was vagina gazing today. Um, it's one of the most ground grounding things. So I just love to sit there, connect in with myself, feel her energy, feel the communion between us. It brings me back to myself. Oh gosh, just like instantly. And whereas it was this place I didn't look at and this place of fear, now it's this place of incredible, just like peace. And I know that she has my back and I have her back. It's just, it's this beautiful, harmonious relationship. And so that's why I say that I sit around and vagina gaze and I really do just sit in front of a mirror and stare at my vagina and feel good and tell her I love her and feel her love me back. Like if you want unconditional love, like connecting with your own vagina, like she, no matter what's happened, your vagina loves you and wants the best for you and wants you to heal and help her come into her highest health. Okay. So then, then the self-pleasuring thing, like I didn't really get self-pleasuring. Like I just had a vibrator and I talked about this in the podcast. Like I was really mad when Kim said, put the vibrator down. I was like, no, I'll take my, my vibrator. But of course I've come to realize that the whole vibrator thing is like, that's not pleasure. There's no bliss on offer with a vibrator. There's like this quick, numbed out thing. Like, yeah, it's an explosion of energy, but it just like feels so gross on the other side of it. I wasn't really, you know, honoring myself, like listening to my yeses and my noes and what was going on with my body. It became another way where I was just overwriting her. Like if she wasn't in the mood, I don't care. Here's this like vibrator. She'll just make her comment. Right. Now when I, when I I quit my vibrator, now I have to go into this self-pleasuring where it's just me and it's myself and it's my head. And I, for a while, like I was just a crappy boyfriend to myself is like how I would describe it. I was just like, where's the orgasm? Why is this taking so long? Like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Like, just like really treating myself really terrible. And like, you know, so that was the first part, recognizing, hmm, maybe I need to treat myself with like more tenderness, more loving, more attention, more care. And, um, and so that was the first part. And then it was just kind of like a switch that turned on in me. And I remember when I was in BKF, a lot of women we're talking about this too, like in our like 
uh, breakout calls, they struggled with this too. They're just like, well, I don't know, like, what am I doing? What's happening? And that's like a normal part of the process, I think, where we come to this place and you don't really know what you're doing because you're changing things. Like you're moving from one way of doing it and you're not quite in the other way yet. So you're just kind of like in between, but it's another place where if you stick with it, I promise you that you have this like, place of turn on inside you and that it will suddenly like just switch on and you'll be hot for yourself. Like as I described, like you, I'll like dirty talk myself. Like that's not even a joke. I mean, it's making a joke about it, but it's not even a joke. Like I really want to treat myself like, you know, like a lover would and to be like the best lover for myself that, that I can be, especially after all the things that I've gone through, like all the abuse that was in my past, it's so healing to instead turn to yourself with love and turn on and hotness. And so now I love to self-pleasure in addition to the vagina gazer. <laughs> I love that. Cause that, yeah, it can be a real stickler for people. And like, I think you even had that, like initially where it was okay for your husband to touch you, but you couldn't touch you. Is that right? Or like there was... No, no one could touch me at first. I was okay with the cock, but I the, the trauma for me, like all gravitated towards the hand. And I think that's just because I was young at the time. So I didn't really understand. So it just like became about hands. So he couldn't touch me. Like no boyfriend ever could. If they ever went to do it, I would just be like, oh no, I don't like that. You know, like kind of thing. Um, so, so anyway, so even, even he couldn't, um, now he can though, you know, now I'm at a more comfortable face with that. Yeah. Yeah. Should we answer some of these questions? Yeah. I popped a few of those into the chat there. Can you open that window up? Okay. Um, can you talk about the best environment for this work? Did you feel super solo and you need the extra space from your husband or was he part of the process? Uh, oh, you're a fellow Capricorn. Oh, I love that. I love little cats. Okay. So um, it's both. So when I would do the egg work, that was entirely alone. Like I need to go deep with myself, feel all of my own emotions. And so all of that I would do alone. I'd sit in like a quiet room when I had knew I had privacy. I'd sit in front of the mirror, and that's really when I would do um, that work. However, there are also times, like later on, especially in the journey, where my husband has played a central role in the process, and he literally has helped fuck the trauma out of me. He's literally helped, especially since there's so much trauma like stored up at the cervix. Um, in particular, and it would be harder for me to get that alone. He would come in and literally I would start sobbing, shaking. Sometimes we'd have stopped because I would like be like dry heaving after these cervical orgasms because it was moving such intense energy through me. So there are, there are moments in the process where having a partner is awesome because those cervical orgasms, like the healing that I could do on my own versus what 
when I would get a cervical orgasm, it would just speed it up and accelerate it and clear out so much of the junk for me. Um, just, you know, like in a snap. Um, then I would also say the other thing about this, there are also seasons where I have, have had to say, no, I, I can't have sex right now. I can't, I just can't take penetration because I was working through some layer that was so complicated. And when that's happened, I would say he's still part of the process with me um, because I have to be open with him about that. And those times, we would use those times to like cultivate the other parts of our relationship, like our just do fun things that we hadn't done in a long time, like go to our, an arcade, like do stupid things, just have like a lot of fun and silliness to still nurture our relationship. And we would, in fact, in those times where we nurture our affection to such a point that when I felt like I could resume sex again, um, like it was instant. I, there was, this happened recently, like in the past few months and just because our infection, our affection, our closeness and him like having to be such a supportive partner through that just bred like led to this sexual encounter where the first time back I had a clitoral orgasm. It rolled into some G-spot orgasms. And then I felt a cervical orgasm was also immediately available um, because we had that bond. So so even pausing can be a moment to strengthen that bond. That's something you have to learn to navigate for yourself. It's like and then within relationship, like learning to listen to yourself, honor your yeses and like your no's. That's so important, honoring your yeses and your no's, especially if you're coming from any trauma background. So yeah, I feel like I kind of answered that. And I, I love that answer. And I love that you could pivot and, he, you know, into another way of bonding and being close, because I think especially... If women and a lot of women do, because of lube, women's not best friend, have a history of overriding their vaginas. And so part of the healing might be that you need to be really clear about whether you're having a yes or a no, or you need a little bit of time to calibrate some healing and that saying no is okay. And I always tell people like, you just need to be try to get clear within yourself, right, of listening when uh, the no is resistance and dissociation and checking out versus a no that's really honoring you of like, I need to be in my space right now. My vagina is, you know, like I said, recalibrating. And once it kind of comes back into the next level, you know, of me feeling inhabited within it, then then it's a yes for me. But in that process of, because for anyone who doesn't know in my work, I don't allow, well, I discourage the use of lubricant, right? For vaginal penetration, because I believe that women, <laughs> lubrication means the vagina is ready to be penetrated. And if it's not wet, it's not ready. Simple, period, end of story. There is no argument there. If you're pregnant, if you're postpartum, if you're menopausal, I do not give a shit. None of that stuff is a valid excuse for overriding your body. And I know it's become normalized, but it's not normal. You know, if you're not wet, you've missed something. You've missed something emotionally, energetically, physically, you're not turned on emotionally, you're held back or there's unresolved issues like your vagina doesn't lie. It doesn't lie. And so um, there can be moments then where it's healthy to say no, like I said, just distinguishing what's 
checking out versus being in alignment. Yeah. And that goes right to the, this other question. What if your vagina seems to say no, whenever you want to enter the egg. And so you just, you answer that perfectly. There are those moments where you should honor it. And then you have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. You do. So, um, you know, you have to really listen into yourself. And that's part of the process is learning to listen and say, well, what, which no is this? No. Um, I think that's, that's so important. And then that will help you make the decision from there. Yeah. So that also, might take- have you, have you, I would also say like, have you warmed up enough? Have you given yourself enough stimulation? So then, then you'll be, you'll be ready to do that. That can be another factor too. If you're feeling like nervous or scared or traumatized, you might have to spend a longer time kind of like warming up, like starting to warm up. Oh, you got like a little freaked out. Okay. Let me go back to just breathing. Let me just go back to nicely rubbing myself and then let me try and accelerate um, and then see if it's a yes or a no kind of from there. Can you explain a G-spot? orgasm. I think the difference maybe between clitoral G-spot cervical, you can go, I can jump, but you go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So a clitoral orgasm is much more like a quick pop, quick pop. And sometimes afterwards people might feel like you're tired or your clitoris can be too sensitive and you're not really interested in having anyone touch you there. It could be just like kind of not very pleasurable sometimes for some people. Um, the G-spot orgasm, Kim can explain where the G-spot is better, but it's more, it's inside um, the vagina. And my experience with them is often they come with a lot of emotions for me. It's a very emotional spot. And the orgasm is very intense, but it's not like a quick pop. And it tends to more have like this kind of like rolling effect. It will often for me, as I was kind of describing, roll into other orgasms. Um, And then the cervical orgasm is the queen. She's the queen of it. You can feel when it's starting to happen, it, it takes a lot more time to reach the cervical orgasm. You can kind of feel it when your vagina starts to open up to that, like flowers open to that next layer. And then the cervix, like the cervical orgasm becomes available from there. And that is that orgasm. It's like you're cracked open and put back together again at the same time. Like it affects your entire body. Everything is vibrating, vibrate for days and, and you feel it all over, but you also do feel that it's happening. Like there's a locus happening higher up, um, in your vagina and it's the most powerful the most intense oh that one also i have a lot of weeping but i it, it's a lot of weeping for me i maybe there'll be a, sometimes i laugh hysterically i have had some laughing the first time i ever did i just went was that real and then i just laid there and i couldn't speak because i was just so overcome that it, that it had even happened uh, but all the other ones i've ever had have been full of crying i don't know will they Will I ever stop crying from them, Kim? Have you? I I cried for years. Like, I feel like I cried for, I don't know, like, like how many, hang on, let me do the math, like, like 30 years, (laughs) nearly. (laughs) 
Okay. So I have a few more years of Craig to go. go. But like where it's this cathartic release deep, you know, like it's like, this is why I say cervical orgasms are a woman's biggest personal growth tool, because it's like this quantum shortcut to go in, reset your nervous system on the highest possible level, because your, your cervix is connected to the vagus nerve. And I mentioned this yesterday, all the talk about nervous system reset and polyvagal theory, the vagus nerve. None of these people ever talk about orgasm. Not fucking once have I ever seen it. And they're missing the biggest tool you've got, which is your cervical orgasms. So yeah, that crying is a sense of like picking up all of the unresolved trauma experiences embedded within your system, excavating it and throwing it out of you. And that comes out through these deep body guttural tears. And that's normal. Was was it you? Like, you know, people would be like, but I'm crying. Well, I'm like, yay, that's amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> Excellent news. You're making fantastic progress. Keep going. That was, the, that was the first question I ever asked you in the salon. I was like, is it okay? I'm hysterically crying. And you were like, this is amazing. And then everyone who was in VCAF was like, we're all sobbing too. We all were like, yay. <laughs> like it's real though. It's real. And it's like borderline that cry, like, and this is what happened for me is that like at a certain point of releasing so much of this stuff, and I would even say lifetimes of stuff, not even just this lifetime. This is like going down deep into your whole cellular imprint, my genetic miasms and release ancestral stuff, releasing it. And then you like flip this corner into that happy cry. Like, you know, when you cry, when your heart is so open, you're so moved by something and it's like this like open eye, open heart type cry. It shifted into that for me where I I cried enough of that stuff out. And then look, if there might be time still, if I've got a buildup of things, and I am not sort of, you know, releasing enough or there's just been a rough time, right? Like a patch of really stressful one after another things, then I'll have another guttural, deep crying type cervical orgasm. Or let's say there was like a rift between you and your partner, right? And you mended that rift and then the cervical orgasm is a way to discharge some of that energy. So they can still happen, but they were the predominant. Like I would always just let me be clear. Like I would always feel amazing afterward. Like as soon as it's like you have a good cry and you have that big involuntary sigh, like, (gasps) and you just, everything's been let go. And then you feel fantastic. You're like happy and flowing and relaxed and like more reset than you could imagine. So that you always get that payoff, but in the middle of it, it can be gut-wrenching, guttural, deep, centuries-old tears coming out. And maybe it's not always that intense for everybody. It could be less than that. I think if you're really, really going for it, which I like to, I'm into endurance sex of having marathon sections. I want to get in and go deep you know, and get all the gold that I can and bring that out. So I'm all about it because I know what's on the other side of it, right? Is this deliverance and transcendence. So, but yeah, there's a point where it just got into this really light, 
ethereal, open-hearted to the point now where I can have a cervical orgasm just through having my lover touch my elbow or hearing his voice or even thinking about something, some level of connection. And the way you talked about the couchgasm thing, like now I've had like all these different kind of energy orgasm equivalents, you know, like I had I had a meat gasm. I ate steak for the first time in 30 years and I had a meat gasm. I was swimming with wild dolphins and I had a dolphin gasm, you know, like all these other equivalents <laughs> where now that you've activated that neural pathway, you can get there, you know, immediately. I really want to have a dolphin gasm. That sounds amazing. That was one of the best. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I mean, I I was so, because this dolphin, like though there's this area in Mexico where you can go and swim with them wild. A lot of the times when you have marketed that experience, it's more packaged, but, and this like female one came and danced with me. Like you can you go under the water and swim around with them. And she was looking at me and I was looking at her trying to keep up with her. And she's like going slow, obviously to be able to do that with me. And then I came up to the surface and there it was. I just oh, my God, that's so beautiful. That's such a beautiful experience. Oh, this is a good one. Can you go a little deeper into different no's? I'm not always clear here and realize after I've gone too far. Um, so your wetness and your openness is a really clear physical indicator. If your body is wet and you're still having like some resistance coming up, that's probably a good moment to like kind of go forward if you're getting that signal from your body. But I would also say you're learning if for the, this is literally the first time that you've asked your body, your vagina, like, is this a yes or is this a no? You're not going to get it right the first time. Like your vagina might just be like a little whisper and you're learning to how to hear her and how to talk back and how to have this like open dialogue between each other. So there's going to be like just some trial and error. There definitely were times where it was really a no. And I was like, maybe it's fine. And then I kind of learned more about the signals through going through and actually going through that process with my body. So don't be too hard on yourself. If you do have to go through experience of trial and error and you maybe don't listen to the no the first time, the second you know it's a no, great. Stop then. And then you can honor your body that way. And do, like, don't be too hard on yourself. It's a, it's a new skill. Um, and it will take a little bit of time, I think, to kind of develop that. Yeah, great answer. So there was a few questions in the chat about people who've had surgery. Someone said they had surgery on their cervix. Can they still have those orgasms? We mentioned the ovaries as the engines. What if they are currently affected, afflicted? Um, someone said they removed their internal organs would be capsule work for them. So look, you know, obviously in my work, I'm all about keeping these things and maintaining these energies and healing. If you've already come from the allopathic system and you've had these experiences, absolutely, you can still do this work. And I absolutely say it's essential too, because whatever the circumstances were that led you to having these issues to begin with, the root cause is still there, right? Like you can remove an organ. And in my view, if people don't then address whatever led to that, the problem will just pop up in another organ. 
right? It's like whack-a-mole. And like after a certain point, like the allopathic system, you know, like gonna run out of things to remove. Like, I don't know how it works for them, but really, um, yes, absolutely. So first of all, women in my work still have cervical orgasms, even without having a cervix. We have a great story from Amber Jean. She's in our wet, wet menopause episode. And she talks about, Exactly that. She had the surgery prior to finding my work, found my work, dove in, and was able to integrate whatever happened to her and feels like she healed the issues that led to that to begin with. And then in doing the work or coming into it, she had some lumps in her breasts and she applied applied all of these principles, including the breast massage, the moving of the sexual energy, and she dissolves those lumps. And then in terms of ovaries, so all of the energy work that we do, like that guided visualization was a taste of some of the work that we do within the salon. And then we do a lot of work of taking your sexual energy to use it as a healing apparatus within you. So if you have ailments on any of your organs, that's all, I mean, that's all fodder for this work to be able to get in there and help to move and change things. So not a problem. And same thing again, like clearly if you're missing organs, we think of these things as still having a phantom limb, right? That you still have the energetic characteristics of your organs alive and well in your body. And it's it's important then to be able to go in, tune into them, connect to them, to integrate them into your body. So that cutoff that I mentioned earlier at the beginning of our session today, that dissociation that leads to the organs being cut out, you can heal that, right? That is the root cause healing of what was that disconnect to begin with, because I guarantee there was a higher level emotional, psychological, energetic cutoff that happened before the physical cutoff, right? So if you can go to that higher level, figure that out and heal that, then you can work with what's now your physical reality by going higher than that. So all, you know, my view is that everything can, everything can be healed. <laughs> everything can be healed naturally. Sometimes we come into it with certain restrictions or karmic experiences that we need to have for one reason or another. But, you know, then like Katie says, I, which is so beautiful, we don't get more than we can handle, or we actually don't get more than we can heal. And so always that it's like in weight training, right? Like I work with a trainer and every session, she's trying to get me even like, you know, two pounds higher, right? On a certain exercise, she wants me to go just a little bit more. And she watches every set and every rep I do. And as long as it's going a little bit further, she's happy, right? Like that's the name of the game, just a little bit further than I think I can. <laughs> so I'm your trainer. I'm your vaginal trainer for <laughs> vaginal kung fu. There's no one better. Uh, let's answer this one question and then I think we'll wrap up. I'll just paste it in the chat here for you, Katie. It was about time management, which I thought was kind of interesting. How did you schedule your days to include VKF? Did you have certain dates, times for VKF? Did you schedule on your calendar each month? Just try trying to figure out how to organize my day. So I have the time and energy to put in the work. Yeah, so... Um, I would every morning, mornings for me, I would feel brave. That's when I felt like I had the courage. And also 
like as things started to get better and improve doing the doing it in the morning, it becomes an energy that you get to carry with you throughout your whole day and also completely changes how you move throughout your day. So um, when I was in VKF, I would do it in the morning. For me, I would go five days a week um, just with the egg practice. That was like perfect for me and still give me some days where I could focus on like some of the other practices. And, and now I still have a steady practice where it's like maybe three, sometimes five days a week. It, it doesn't take that long to actually do the egg routine once you kind of get into the groove of it. It seems like, oh, it's going to be like this, this long task, but I could do it sometimes when I need to in like 20 or 25 minutes. It's really worth it. Like uh, tons of other all-stars talk about this too. Like it extends your time. You think you don't have any time for it, but somehow self-pleasuring, like it does time magic and you end up having way more time as a result of it. Right? Right, Kim? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's sort of reality bending. Like it's one of those things where, you know, oh, I don't have time to meditate. But if you meditate, somehow your day expands and you have the capacity to get everything done way more efficiently and effectively. Same thing happens when you put the time and the energy into your sexual practices. It's like it lubricates your entire day where everything flows with ease, helpful people, helpful opportunities. You have the like intuitive way of solving problems that you didn't have access to before. So it's completely energy in equals like quantum energy out. Yeah. Amazing. Well, this was so Awesome, Katie. I love that you shared your story and then like woven all these different elements that were new and so in-depth and helpful for people who may have this as part of their karmic challenges in this lifetime and to help give them a real solid pathway through. So thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, everyone who is here. I hope I hope there's even one little tidbit that can help you. It will make it worth it to me. There was tons. <laughs> tons <of laughs> okay, even better. <laughs> so tomorrow we're back for our last day. It's day three with our well-fucked all-star Amanda. And she did an interview a few weeks ago about her vaginal compass guiding her through decisions in life. She's healed throat chakra issues through deep throating. And she's landed multi-million dollar business deals through oral sex. <laughs> so she's got a lot of fantastic stories to share of really activating her feminine energy and using that in her life through this work. That uh, was so much fun. I really felt like Katie and I reached whole new levels of alchemy in our discussion. And that's what it's all about, ever expanding and evolving. If you want to check out the entire full free event series, go to kimanami.com slash bliss. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.